Okay. You ready? Recording. Yes. Welcome to Splunk Talk. A Splunk podcast that's all Splunk and no junk. I'm your host, Herch, Herch here with <laughs> your co-host, Val. And today's guest is Nick Philippi and Lizzie Lee, who will talk with us all about the Universal Dashboard Framework, Dashboard Studio, and probably a lot more. But before we go any further, let's check in and see how everyone's month plus has been. Val? I don't think you've ever messed up your own name during the, the intro. Do you recall? I, I, that's a first, I think. I don't know, but I, I, it makes me happy that I blended our names. Yeah. Herch, yeah. Herch and Bao. Nice. Yeah. My um, alter egos. I guess my, my most recent news is, is man, my, my eyeballs are just kind of crazy. I'm, the, I'm taking my glasses off because I can't see with those on. I, I've got, um, I got a basket of eye issues. I'm not going to go into all that, but like, by the I way, like best Green Day album ever, Basket of My <laughs> Issues. That was a classic. I want to yeah. say that was um, 97? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I Excellent. think that's the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it just had like eye surgery and, I'm, and I've got like, I've got two pair of glasses and I'm, you know, I can't see one thing with one thing. I got to have like 10 pairs. But anyway, I'm working through it. I did it. not know that Apple now did surgery. You said hmm. you had eye surgery? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, Internet her surgery. Job. Keep your day job, yeah. All right. Mm. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm doing all right. I, I, can, yeah. I can see better in some ways than I could before. And the other ways are just, you know, I, I got to work on the optometry, the full package. Working on it. I, uh, but I'm ready for you like, can... cybernetic enhancements. Like, you know, I want to be able to you know, zoom in. You know, AR, just, I will take all that stuff. Really? Yeah. Really, really? Like if they said, like, we'll put a microchip hey, how? in. Hey, I've got an experimental you... thing. Yes. You're in? Basically, yeah. Yeah. Wow. How about you? Um, I really like beta testing until it impacts, like, other people. Like, I don't mind hurting myself. But once you have, like, dependents and stuff. Yeah. For, for yeah. me, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But, like, no. not right Yeah. Now. Well, see, I've got my left eye it's yeah I've, i can't read in my left eye i've got I only have peripheral vision it can only so write. they can experiment with that you know yeah go for it do something crazy in the left eye and i'll just you know be more a little bit more risk averse on with the right eye that's well that's what we have too yeah um yeah. so what you 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 had eye surgery mm -hmm. you can see better now you also look better, so we see you better. Oh, okay, okay. Not that you don't look great with glasses. Um, what uh, are you comfortable sharing? Um, what it is they actually did? If I were not, would that change you asking? I would just change the topic, and okay. maybe we wouldn't notice. No, I mean, I, I don't think. No, it's it's like um, I got a bunch of. I issues like it's complicated and, and it's yeah. like the biggest one is the the left eyeball problem yeah so i got these red i got these back end so think of it okay so we got python we got javascript you know back end oh, and gosh. front end so 
I got issues on the back end with the retina. I've got some, some stuff in the way there. And then I've got issues on the front end with the lenses, you know, so it's just all these things combined together. Well, cataract surgery fixes one or two of those problems. Doesn't fix all the problems. So I still, you know, I got glasses and I, you know, zoom my screen in and all that. So that's what I was going to consequently ask at work. Like I think like about yeah. um, accessibility. Like I am, I'm at the edge of being able to drive, for example, you know, I'm at the yeah. edge of not, not at being blind, but like, you know, it, yeah, it could happen, but like, you know, I I'm totally functional in that sense. Unless, unless I'm at the Atlanta airport and I'm trying to find my connecting flight yeah. And like Delta forgets the login suddenly for no reason. And I got to use the big board and I'm yeah. trying to look up the big board. I can't read anything on there. Otherwise I'm pretty functional. It's really interesting how many things in life as a fully abled person, we like take for granted and mm -hmm. it's, it's like, it's fine when they work and when they don't work, it's like very stressful, yeah. like sanitation is a like very relatable one for most people in the US because we have very good sanitation level okay. mm -hmm. um, or sanitation programs. And like, you don't think anything of it. It's like mm -hmm. the trains, like they run on schedule. But when things don't happen, when people don't do their job, you notice when people yeah. are doing their job, they're not praised for it. It's just been accepted that that's how it should work. Yeah, yeah. Are you trying to transition us into you becoming a sanitation engineer? Is that what you were leading to? Um, I have some news. Okay, because there's boxes in the background. I'm, I'm like, you know, I have gotta been be disposing a ton of garbage. I, I moved recently, which I think I want to say is part of the reason why we've had such a long gap between episodes. Mm -hmm. um, we, uh, I kind of needed to time out our first. We have to book book guests, and it depends on their availability in the summer and vacations then it kind of gets close to like, well, I got to pack up my computer. Yeah, got to pack yeah. up the nice microphone and everything. Then I need time to move and time to unpack. Moving's so exciting though. Are. Yeah. yeah. So big changes. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I have become uh, quite competent with our sanitation system. I have to say the place I live now, they have an app, like you can type in different materials and it'll tell you if it's recyclable or garbage. Uh, it'll give you notifications um, the night before when what of what pickups need to come out and you can schedule like the bulk pickup and stuff like that i'm okay, like that last one yes. that you had like the first part i was like eh, you know it comes the same day every week i got that but yeah that last one sounds kind of handy it yeah and um so you you can type something in and it's like oh this is not recyclable or like you need to do bulk pickup go ahead and schedule the appointment yeah. do now do they tell you we're gonna we're gonna take this and we're gonna take it in your recycling bin but we're really just throwing it away in a different place. Do they tell you that level of detail? No, but I think that's sort of like the API. Like that's the interface. Yeah. I provide the the right parameters, right, the right mm -hmm. inputs. And, and, um, and then it's like up to them how they manage their resources and stuff. Okay, yeah. But what I realized is that our tag is all Splunk and- No junk. And what are we talking about right now? We're talking literally about junk. garbage. Literally garbage. <laughs> we have hit rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm looking forward to the guests. Um, yeah. Two guests today. Um, two guests. And, Dose guesses. <laughs> and going back to my really lame attempt at a front end and back end um, analogy, um, we're going to be talking to some front end people. 
So as opposed to, you know, the mechanics of how indexing is done on, you know, on, on a Splunk index or something, we're going to be talking about the front end and the things, the, the way the data is presented. So that should be a neat kind of change of pace there. Yeah. And, and I know that we've had, um, we've had some requests to uh, let's get technical, technical. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I am happy to do that in this conversation because I have not, I'm embarrassed to say, I have not played with the new dashboarding stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot. I mean, Nick has, uh, who's going to join us, has a such a larger purview um, as well. But like, there's so much about it that I'm like, I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm classically trained Splunk, if you will. Uh, you know, I started on advanced XML. Um, and so I've grown very fond of the enhancements to simple. Um, and so this whole new paradigm that we're doing, I'm kind of like, well, we'll get into the detail with me it. over. Won't yeah. Me. So we're going to get into that. So aside from that, and I'm stalling for time here, um, I want to do an episode up, upcoming, a technical episode, if you will, uh -huh. with yourself and you pick one of your peers on your new team. Okay. What do you think? Um, I can't confirm or deny if that's yeah. going to be possible. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I like to play I'm hard not, to get I'm not on picking my own a podcast. Date. I'm not picking yeah. a date. I'm saying a Are future you episode. Me out? Yeah. I'm asking you out at a future time. You know, we can say, I think... you get to pick when that date will happen, but I want that to happen. Oh, someone's at the door. That must yep. be our guest. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that'll be really cool. Um, I forget how much detail I've shared in, in this uh, group, but we've had a lot of... Um, a lot of new people hired into this team. And so mm -hmm. when, you know, when I first moved into the team, it was like a little premature to, um, to have us come on and talk. Cause it was all just very conceptual, but now that we're maturing our focus and getting further along and engineering is implementing some things, um, it'll be much more appropriate, uh, to, to have those discussions. So, um, for people that aren't uh, regular listeners, I'm now in a, um, developer experience function, um, and so my perspective and purview is a lot more on like, how are people developing for or against uh, Splunk? So for or against sounds kind of <laughs> like good and evil. Um, yeah, but yeah. what I mean by that is like de developing in the world of Splunk is a very unique thing. Like I've had some people where I'm talking about like, oh, do you have people at your organization that do Splunk development? And what they hear is, do you have developers that use Splunk? Mm -hmm. And I talked to them and I'm like, so what are you developing? They're like, well, we have some dashboards. Like we wrote some searches. I'm like, you guys are users, you're developers, but you're developers of like mobile apps and web apps at your company, mm -hmm. not against Splunk. So yeah. we have to differentiate that. Then we've got um, developers who are writing apps and extensions of Splunk. Mm -hmm. And we have developers mm -hmm. who are writing things at interface, like our, these are SDKs and so forth. Mm -hmm. So uh, like if I have a, my own web app and I wanted to talk to Splunk, um, I can do that. And, and you've got Splunk to think also so darn like flexible. who are those people? What, what are their kind of interests lie? Because you could have um, a hobbyist like you and I have always been that, you know, filling that role. Um, you could be doing it in the line of duty per se in, uh, you know, your company has a big Splunk instance. Okay. But you could also be, uh, there's a variety of different kind of partner angles here. Some of them are OEM where Splunk is behind the scenes and, you know, the customers don't see that at all, but it's there and they need certain, you know, they have certain needs that they have. 
we even have, and you, you framed it very, very well, as if you used to be a developer, a evangelist, evangelist. I, yes, I will. I'm not sure where you're going with that word, but yes, I will go <laughs> with evangelist. Yeah. Yes, that was a previous um, title. I, yeah, I, uh, I, there's actually another one that I, I assumed existed, but it was really um, tickled to learn. There are partner companies that are almost like solution for hire. So mm -hmm. like some big mm -hmm. technical partner, um, like that, I'm not going to name names even. But I've got up, like but, seven on the tip of my tongue that I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. But, but like, okay, I, I'm a company, I produce like some technology and people want that in Splunk and we don't have mm -hmm. the talent for creating that. So what do they do? Well, they hire a partner to produce the app and the app is published. You know what we called them? We used to call them their own. boutique systems integrators or BSI. Mm -hmm. Speaking of BSI, we've got two people in the waiting room. Shall we I, let them in? We should, but you're going to have to walk back and explain that attempt at a segue there. Oh, there was no, there was no attempt, no segue. Okay. It was okay. It was the the ramblings of of the sugary drink in me ramping in okay. into the bloodstream. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Nick, Lizzie, hello. Hello. You are joining us right in the middle of a conversation we were just basically eager to kind of welcome you into. So um, as, as we could probably know, do we... introductions. I mean, everybody knows yeah. who Birch and I are, but let's start with um, the woman in the bottom right hand corner of my screen, Lizzie Lee. Hello. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Or what we, we like to call your uh, origin story. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, Nine months before I was born, my parents, I'm just kidding. Um, I Skip ahead a bit. <laughs> nailed, nailed it, nailed it, nailed it on that joke. That's the best framing of that joke that we've heard. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been at Splunk now for, it'll be actually three years in two weeks or so. So in a couple of weeks, I'll, I'll hit my three-year anniversary. Um, prior to being on the dashboards team specifically, I was working on some of the other premium apps that were really focused on visualizations. So IoT and business analytics with Splunk Business Flow. Prior to that, I worked at GE and I did like a bunch of different jobs. I think I had like six or seven different jobs while I was there that kind of spanned pre-sales to post-sales and engineering. And through that experience is kind of how I figured out that I wanted to be a product manager. So I'm very happy where I am now. Very cool. Did you yeah, go I'm... to, uh, were you academically aligned with this line of work? Like, did you have a technical degree or, or go to college or just not go to college at all? <laughs> yeah, my background is in mechanical engineering. Um, I'd always really enjoyed like the physics, like mechanics part of physics in particular. Um, and so that's what I studied in school. But then I had an internship that I realized that made me realize I did not want to pursue that as a career. And that's when I joined GE because they had one of those rotational programs that just let you try a bunch of different things. So oh, I could try cool. and find what I'd like to do. And yeah. Yeah, I eventually found, of course, product management. Oh, that's I, awesome. uh, I also am a rotational program uh, uh, graduate. I don't know. Um, Lizzie, one, one last question before we uh, flip to Nick. Um, as a mechanical engineer, as a youth, did you have the Connects Big Ball Factory? I did not. I actually did not. I liked okay. the um that mousetrap game yes. where you could try yep. and start. Yeah, that that's mostly what I like to what play are, with. Those are all called oh Rube Goldberg machines. Yes. Yes. Those are awesome. 
uh, favorite well, okay go video <laughs> <laughs> right, um what if it's the one where they're on the treadmills i forget yeah. what it's called mm, the i name don't remember the, the name of that one but yes I, I do know that one they i mean there's so many to choose from that are like epic classics yeah in their catalog so uh on that note, Nick? maybe we should flip it over to Nick and ask him yes, his or Nick. origin. Okay, go. Yeah. Um, hey guys, uh, Nick Filippi. Um, I have uh, been a product manager at Splunk for, I guess, over nine years now. Seven so it's years. Yeah. And yeah, nine. It's been a it's been a great ride. Um, uh, and it, over the last nine years, uh, I've had the pleasure of working on a lot of different projects. Um, uh, my very first project actually was Mod Inputs. Um, I didn't uh, that know was kind that. of a, yeah yeah that was a, a very interesting um, project that uh, that landed on my my plate in my first okay. month. Well, I have to I ask will, you a uh, question. I have to. I'm sorry. I got to ask him questions. This is very serious. Yeah. Why? Why? Why that way? Like that whole introspection scheme business. Like nobody does that. That was weird. Why? <laughs> uh, the introspection of of like the XML. Um, the, the the way that the that you created a mod input you had to create a a, uh, a listener that talked to the standard in and out of splunk d in order and then it and it shared um a bit of xml to show its capabilities and that happened at startup and then that allowed you when you go to add inputs to fill out a dialogue box you know so i get the the need for what what it needed but i've never seen that type of method where where you're spitting out this bit of text up front it's a that was a unique solution and i was very curious yeah I remember. I, yeah i actually don't have a good answer to that question it was it was kind of just like an artifact of, of how it was built i'm um, gonna call just it say a, just say i was new and, I, and young i didn't know what i was doing i got mixed <laughs> up in drugs yeah. and the dark side of splunk yeah, I'll let it go. a lot more hair and, and yeah, all, all this. Stuff. But I, I think, you know, a lot of a lot of what um, we kind of did after that kind of evolved from it. So I was happy to say that, you know, in uh, subsequent projects like uh, custom alert actions and, you know, all the work in simple XML, I, I think we we kind of tuned how that that works. Like I think in custom alert actions, we had, you know, a whole separate um, HTML dialogue that that developers could um uh, could craft to represent that that little like UI snippet. So um, mm -hmm. we, we've kind of evolved how we do a lot of our developer plugins over the years. But but yeah, some some so things, some legacy things just never never get updated. Because the whole mod like that started like a mod mod squad of different like mod things and so, like mm -hmm. there was mod that inputs is. and it was like hey this is great see you later scripted inputs and next thing you know we've got like. Yeah, mod viz, mod alert actions, but mm -hmm. is that all you? Was that you and your mod squad? I, I would love to claim the, um, the the origin for it. It was actually uh, my boss at the time, uh, Jonathan Cervelli. So he's the you know, um, so I think he started uh, he started with the concept of mod inputs. Um, I, I I just kind of took it over at the at the finish line. Um, but then, yeah, it, it, it seemed to be, um, there seemed to be a great need for kind of more comprehensive developer plugins, right? So that, yeah. that kind of launched yeah. uh, mod alerts. And then I, I worked with the PM at the time, Michael Porath, um, for mod viz. Um, and, and, you know, each, I think each uh, 
uh, each extension kind of worked off of or built on top of the previous one. So they just kind of like got a little bit better every time. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was the last, last nine years. Um, actually even prior to joining Splunk, I was a PM at another company where, uh, I OEM Splunk. So, um, I, I kind of found this small little company called Splunk that did this like really amazing log search and reporting mm -hmm. tool. And, um, and tried it out and just fell in love with the tool and uh, decided to convince Splunk to allow me to, to OEM it. Um, and, and the rest is history. That's funny. We were talking about OEMs before you joined. That would, that's, oh. Um... oh, OEMs. I thought you were talking about like yoga ohms. Um, Nick, are you pre or post IPO? Uh, just post. Yeah. Just oh, post. oh, so sad. Oh. So sad. <laughs> See, oh. I thought I thought you were here longer than me, but then I, you know, when I was first at the company, like I didn't know anybody, so I, I guess that was so I was just before, and you were just after. Oh, how you're yeah. just before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, awesome. So, more recently, um, what kind of you know areas are you? responsible for or if i feel like you're you're doing a lot of front-end ui usability kind of stuff is that fair hal can i can i re-ask your question in a totally stupid way you're going to i'm going to no it. matter what yeah lizzie nick why did why do you think we brought you here today <laughs> nick you want to go first uh, no, no, go ahead, Lizzie. Oh, okay. I was trying to punch it off to you. I, but I, okay. went, I went principal's <laughs> office uh, strategy on that. I, Birch, I, I thought you were going to ask the question, what would you say you do here? Um, what is it I, you I say thought... <laughs> you do here? I'm a people person. <laughs> Mostly cat herding. Yeah, same. Yeah, there's a lot Definitely. of cat herding involved in product management, I feel like. <laughs> For the most part, right? You're trying to like captain a ship to go and get everyone to work and go in the same direction. Um, so if I guess for us, that's specifically pertaining to dashboards and the new dashboard studio, which is built on the framework, the UDF framework that Nick owns. So that that's your What is UDF? Uh, so UDF stands for Unified Dashboard Framework. And uh, so the, the, the ori origins of it were that we wanted to uh, create a single framework that was used across all of our products and by all of our users. Um, so it kind of um, combined at the time, uh, we had you know, two, two evolutions. One was simple XML and one was glass tables. Uh, and these were kind of used by you know, very, different, um, uh, very different apps and for very, for very different you know, use cases. And the idea there was, you know, one, how, how can we create kind of one cohesive uh, dashboard experience that all of our products could use, um, that our users could, could use to tell more effective stories. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that, that was kind so, of the- So let, let me ask it. you to take that and, and reflect on what some, something uh, Splunk has done in the past, which is to say, okay, we want people to build on our platform. What do people know? They don't know the Splunk domain specific languages necessarily. The web developers, they have this other set of skills over here. What is hot and popular, you know, 
at the time, you know, let's embrace and build a web framework that would take that into account. For example, you know, we, we did some stuff with Django. Um, and if you were to revisit that today, you know, it would be you know, React or, or whatever. Um, what, what are your thoughts on like, you know, how you kind of choose what is relevant to, to the audience there and, and how much must they know about Splunk in order to get something neat out of it? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I, I think we were we were fortunate at the time that you know we already had an internal framework that was called Splunk UI, um, and and that um, kind of got spun up internally about a year prior to, to UDF uh, um, starting, and uh, that was a, a framework primarily built on React, which is you know was and, and continues to be you know a very popular framework, uh, and, and it was adopted across our entire platform. A lot of our internal developers just just love using it, um, and so we, uh, as part of you know thinking through the the UDF architecture, uh, we knew that we had to leverage that that framework one for consistency, right? So that our internal developers are, are all leveraging the, the same uh, tech stack and, and it's fully compatible, um, and then second, you know, just you know, it's a modern modern framework, um, so. Not only does that help with our existing uh, internal developers, uh, it helps with you know people that that we uh, we hire. You know we're we're a growing company, so uh, getting someone to to join Splunk and and be productive on day one is is super important. And then also for our partners, right? Our our, our partners are you know building and extending our, our products in in so many cool ways. And you know how can we help that um, is you know the same way that, that we help ourselves, which is you know, more modern, modern frameworks um, that, that allow them to build quicker uh, and, uh, and hire and onboard, you know, their own teams to, to, to be productive. Yeah. So, I mean, so when I you're creating that, um, that job op opening, you know, that job requisition, it's like, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for a developer. Yeah. But what, you know, and React is going to get a keyword hit, you know, in, in the, the job search engine or whatever. So, to an extent, you have to aim at, I guess, some of the skills in the marketplace. I, um, I'll reveal that before you two joined, I was waxing to Hal about how, um, you know, I, I grew very fond of simple XML because of um, all the skinned knees I had uh, when it was much simpler and everything was on advanced um, XML that, you know, when you wanted to do something more, I don't know, I'll say advanced uh, and then fortunately we really enriched simple XML and, and did a lot of really great things with it. And, um, you know, made it more clear how to like do extensions and CSS and JavaScript. And, um, that was all, um, all very great. Now we have sort of a, a benefit here in this conversation because I, I can sort of play bad cop. Like Hal has, um, you guys don't know this, but in almost every episode, Hal is telling me. Oh, have you played with UDF? I mean, it is so cool. I like, let's, you, we got to do an episode on UDF. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I'll get to it, I'll get to it. So I have not yet had that, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of um, uh, rejoicing in this role of countering Hal and being like the stalwart. I have not played yet uh, with this new thing. I'm quite happy with simple XML. Why do I have to learn something new? See how I get more hunched over and haggard as I, uh, <laughs> Haggard, uh, Haggard, I think is Haggard is, is somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I've been screwing up words all episodes so far. Um, so I think, I think, um, is there a there question are, there? I mean, are there you, are certainly you have people a point? 
especially developers okay. who are kind of wondering what what does this solve for me? What pain does this do? It's like why why UDF? Should I take do you want to? Yeah, do you want to take that, Lizzie? Or, or I'll um... take a I'll take a first first stab at it since uh, simple XML also falls under my my purview for for the time being. And some of the key things that we're trying to address with Dashboard Studio that were a little bit harder to address in simple XML um, are like. How do I create a really beautiful dashboard that I can throw up on a big monitor or I can send to my executives and they're able to like read it and see exactly, you know, the information that they need to be able to make decisions from. And in order to do that in simple XML, it can be a little bit challenging because of the rigidity of the layout uh, options that you have, right? So you can't really resize things or just place them freely wherever you want. If you want to change colors so that they, I don't know, match your corporate corporate colors, right? You need custom CSS in order to do that. So then it necessitates that your dashboard builder, maybe they're an analyst or something, and they're really just trying to put the visuals together, now suddenly needs also this developer skill set to be able to make some of those changes. Um, if you also wanted to um, just, I, I think when we think about like enabling more users kind of along that, along that vein is it becomes a little prohibitive for people to be able to create create dashboards that they can use and consume. So definitely that's one big aspect of it um, for why, why UDF or in, in our, in my particular case, you know, we consume UDF and enterprise. So for dashboard studio, um, why dashboard studio? So now that you, now you want to create these really beautiful dashboards, you can easily do that in the UI. You don't need to go into the source. You don't need to upload like, you know, uh, style sheets or custom JavaScript or anything like that. That's so what cool. I'm hearing is like the things that I was saying made simple uh, XML so cool that I could now extend it with these code features. What I'm hearing is you actually don't need to write those code things. They are now primary like aspects of dashboarding with, with UDF. Is that accurate? Yeah, definitely. So we're trying to tackle like the, you know, 80% use case for when, when we see people using custom CSS or custom JS. So I'll give you a couple examples, right? I wanna change the, the colors of my bar chart. Now you can just do that in, in, the, in UDF, it's natively supported. You just specify what colors you want and boom, it's done. You don't need to worry about adding any, anything custom. You don't have to worry about if you, know, you upgrade or, and then something suddenly breaks with your custom extensions. You, no, everything will be supported with like backward compatibility. Um, another example for custom JS is we saw that it was pretty common that people wanted to have a number input. So they would actually add a text input and then do some custom JS to restrict it to only take number values. And why shouldn't we just be able to support that out of the box? So like a form input on a dashboard. Correct. That's correct. restricted to numbers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what we did is instead just provide a number input out of the box. So um, trying to just support more things natively in in UDF is definitely one of the big uh, improvements that we're trying to make. Just so that it's a lot easier on our customers to not have to you know manage dealing with all of those extensions. And let's say you know you suggest that you want a number input. Well, rather than you just building it for yourself by building it into the product, then everybody else can benefit from it as well. So I'm going to challenge that in a second, but before. I go there. I want, is it easier for us to using this new framework? Is it easier for us to develop new features and release those you know, more quickly? Is there something inherent to, to how it, it, it does that better? That's a great question. I think I will defer to Nick 
to answer that, but one of the key things is that UDF being a shared library, when we make changes in UDF, it gets proliferated across multiple products rather than each product team now needing to make changes. Okay, that makes sense. And I'll kind of start the answer to that question saying, you know, UDF is still new. It still is kind of in its infancy, so to speak. Um, you know, Simple XML has a long runway of you know, almost 10 years of development on it. Um, and, and, and I have no doubt that, you know, UDF and, and our vision behind it, there, there's a ton of great stuff um, that, that's coming. Um, to, today, what, what that looks like, how to your question around, you know, can I build something and, and, and use it? I, I think the key, uh, you know, the key benefit to UDF today is, you know, when I build a custom component, like a data source or a visualization or some like interactivity on, on the dashboard, um, it, it is leveraging kind of React as its as its primary tech stack. So it does have kind of reusability built in mind. So within your app that you're building, um, you know, unlike you know custom custom JavaScript and CSS extensions where you you kind of have to copy it dashboard to dashboard, mm -hmm. um, UDF as a you know as a as a framework within a, a given app, like it does have reusability within that context. Okay, so. Um, now, kind of object-oriented-ish features there. Okay. It, it, exactly. Um, and then, you know, where the future might take it in terms of, you know, can we have that that level of customization and the community behind it with, you know, something a la Splunk base? You know, that that that's all yet yet to be kind of figured out. That was going to be my next question. It was like, hey, we had we talked about modvids. You know, you can come up with a great idea, ship it as a, as an app on Splunk base. And we, we got to that point where there, there could be a community of reusable things that way. I, I heard you've got some detail around, okay, well, it, it was, and it wasn't, but um, is this a better model? Will we, you know, be able to get back to, not get back to that, but, you know, solve for that extensibility in the user interface with the community, with something extensible. Yeah, and, and, and I think our the, the way that we're trying to tackle that at least internal first, right? So as Lizzie was mentioning, there, there's a lot of internal consumers, you know, whether that be um, enterprise, ITSI, enterprise security, uh, mission control. Like our, our our first objective is, you know, can we can we at least create that same sort of reusability across our internal customers? And like once we've kind of figured out like the APIs are solid, the yeah, extension points are. Um, are, are well built and well supported. But, you know, then, you know, then, then that'll be a time where we kind of discuss, like, you know, can we can we unleash this on our on our great community? Yet? Um, so, okay. just before Hal, before you ask the question, I know you want to ask um, clarifying question. I love playing the dumb the dumb person here. You're What's the difference between UDF and Studio? Good question. So ju just as some, I guess some examples are. So, so UDF will provide uh, the basics of, I wanna add a chart, I wanna wire a data source to it and uh, like how it's laid out on the, on the canvas. If you wanna add shapes, you know, what have you, you can do that. Where each of the app teams uh, need to implement certain capabilities on top of that generally comes down to either features that are very specific to that app or um, features that are very specific to that app and then also management capabilities around 
around those dashboards. So for example, in Dashboard Studio, we have some additional capabilities that we've added into, um, into our version of UDF. So once we have taken up UDF, we've added the ability, for example, to export a dashboard as a PNG or PDF. We're adding the ability to schedule that, that dashboard as, um, as a PDF like email attachment. We also use, of course, SPL1, whereas Mission Control is using SPL2. And so those teams you know, were respectively responsible for making sure it works accordingly. Um, so most of the differences start to come at like the app or platform layer, differences that we need to support our particular use cases. Um, and then I think I, Nick will know better than, than I do, but for example, if you look at Dashboard Studio versus ITSI glass tables, like you will see differences in the editing interface, some of the capabilities that are available to you. So each team can kind of build and extend from the UDF libraries. Is the studio like what we call the, the in-product experience of using UDF and UDF is literally the, the framework, the definition of it? Yes, that's okay. correct. Okay. And then um, follow-up question. Uh, in in the, the old times, we would like switch to XML. We could like have an editor in the product. Do, what's the editing experience like for people who prefer to type their dashboards than to um, WYSIWYG them? Yeah. Um, I don't know, Nick, if you want to take this as it's UDF specific and across the board. Sure. Um, so, so somewhat similar to Simple XML, there, there's a UI editor and then there's a source editor. Um, I, I would say that the source editor, the, the biggest contrast in uh, Studio and, and UDF is uh, it is JSON based. Um, so, so that yeah, <laughs> um, uh, and 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 I'll I'll touch on For that. Those in a not second. watching the video, <laughs> Bur Birch had a double take. Uh, do it again, and I'll do a spit take. Right. I think it's I think his heart skipped a beat is, is what I saw as well. But um, he said uh, JSON. <laughs> uh, so so it is JSON and and it is uh, I would say a little bit more modular in Simple XML. So Simple XML was very kind of like declarative in uh, the structure of it represented a hierarchy of of and the layout of the dashboard. Um, this is has a little bit more kind of modularity where everything is kind of foreign key specific. So you have um, visualizations kind of mapped out. You have all your data sources mapped out in another section. Defaults, uh, you have the, the layout uh, and they're all kind of um, uh, linked together via, via IDs. And wow. the, the interesting thing about Simple XML, uh, actually under the hood um, or actually in the runtime, it, it was actually JSON. And we just kind of had to continuously yeah, we had to continuously transfer um, or persisted as XML. So uh, th there was actually a lot of headaches involved in in that. Um, you know, especially so all while my we were simple actually... XMLs are really being interpreted as JSON, and they have not been telling me this secret the whole time. It was JSON the whole time. It was said. JSON the whole time. The classic Scooby Doo. Wow. Yeah, wow. just pull the mask um, off. It's not XML. It was it was old man JSON the whole time. Yeah, so the, the runtime was act, was actually JSON just for for browser kind of compatibility reasons, but um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so that so the you know I think our first approach with with UDF and um, in Studio was you know let's just keep this simple. So if it, if the runtime is JSON, then let's 
persisted persisted as JSON, and then um, you know let's uh, let's you know reevaluate um, you know according to the team like you know we we could experiment with YAML and, and other kind of persistence layers at, at a later date, but you know let's let's try to keep this as straightforward and focus on features as as opposed to the the complexities. Well, I, that... I think that at this point in time, you know, it's it's just 2020, 2021 where you're developing and releasing this feature as opposed to, you know, 5, 10 years ago where where XML was was king. Um, we've moved on from from hating XML and now we're we're hating JSON. Um, or YAML or both. So, yeah, it, it's a it's the decision makes sense. You know, maybe it won't feel familiar to Birch personally. But I, I think there's plenty of stuff that uses JSON, so that makes sense. What? <laughs> so the what I'm I mean, you you mentioned something that caught you mentioned many things that caught my attention, but a latent pain, if you will, something that I I think is frustrating about simple XML, but was never a, like there was no other option, so there was no way to notice how frustrating it was in simple XML. It's so embedded. Like my search has to be in line, in the right place. My rows have to be in order. My panels have to be in order. Um, what I'm hearing is with this new framework, it's more like declarative and then like abstracted by the IDs. So things are like defined and that can be all collected in one spot. And then like the layout can be defined and just reference those IDs, um, allowing like editing and managing these these dashboards especially as they start to get very complex to to be m much easier is that am i getting that correct yeah and i think one of the like the very early thoughts there was you know in, in simple xml we often saw dashboards that had you know 20 20 something panels on it and, and those represented you know often 20 inline searches that that took you know you you, you saw it and, and you knew how long those took w one of the concepts um, you know, that, that we were kind of thinking on, thinking about very early on was, you know, could you have a dashboard with 20 panels, um, all driven off of one data source? Um, and then each kind of panel represented a different slice or different view of that data, um, which, which would kind of give you two things. One is performance. And then the second is a level of interactivity that, that was actually kind of hard to wire up simple XML. So, you know, you click on a, you know, a slice in a pie chart or, or a cell in a table and, and you want to filter that entire page, um, all those 20 panels on, on what you just clicked on. Well, in simple XML, it's, you know, you have to set a token, you have to like be very surgical about, you know, where that token, you know, gets put in, in what query across all 20 of those, those panels. So, um, you know, if it was really just like one effectively a one data model, and then and then you're just kind of uh, tweaking the the base filter of that of that you know data model data source and data set. Uh, is that a better model to follow? Um, so um, yeah, that that and was kind of one of one of the thoughts. By that external ID that you mentioned, or the foreign key, and you can make your changes once and, and have that become effective immediately. Yep, a lot, lot simpler building. I can see that. Yeah. Is, is it still like uh, flat files that persist on the file system? Like each dashboard? Oh, you mean in a framework? KV store? Yeah. 
So all the dashboards are still stored in the same place that simple XML dashboards are stored. So I should say all the new studio dashboards are, are still persistent in the same place. Uh, they're actually persistent as XML files uh, in data UI views. Uh, so they're all in the same place and they're like stored with the same structure. Okay. Wait, what about XML? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Currently, the way that it works, and we made this decision so that we would be able to ship sooner rather than have to wait on backend support for like like native backend support for uh, to support JSON. Um, what we are actually doing is we're taking the entire dashboard definition and like sticking it into an XML file and then sticking storing it that way. <laughs> I, I so feel it's dirty like, right now. Like a basic xml where the embedded payload is the entire json page mm -hmm. and you got the oh. sgml entity in order to not have to worry about the escaping of the javascript and the okay i All imagine right. there were some very passionate discussions that preceded that <laughs> yeah there's definitely a lot of back and forth and we decided that we could do this now and we can still update later so we decided to just oh. move forward with that now and then deal with it later <laughs> Okay, so it, it was XML all along. And <laughs> Scooby Doo rips off the mask. Yeah. It's JSON underneath, rips it off again. It's XML and underneath. <laughs> they do that in the um, movies, right? The Scooby Doo movies. Yeah. They didn't have time oh, for that in the, in the uh, episodes. Well, they had to ship it on time and they knew they yeah. could always change it in the sequel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, what about like images or other assets or like, do, is there a concept of having like Same CSS place. or Static? JavaScript? No. Sorry, say, say that again. Sorry, I, I I stepped on top of Birch in order to say. So it. I'm saying, say, like, is, is it the same place? Is it in the static folder? Well, do people even need CSS and and like JavaScript That's anymore for UDF? Well, it's not supported, so. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that answers where they where the files are located. What about like images? Because we yeah, mentioned so like company logo and branding. Mm -hmm. So we support um, images and also icons or SVGs, custom Coracleth SVGs, and those are both stored in the KV store. So per deployment, we have a we have two KV store collections: one for image files, one for SVG files. So both icons and uh, other Coracleth SVGs. Um, and so whenever that's actually it's a um, Something that is interesting about it that we've learned recently is obviously a lot of customers have multiple environments for development, you know, um, QA and, and, and production. And so now that we've introduced this dependency on the, on the KV store, anytime you upload images, that obviously becomes quite challenging when you actually want to develop something in your development environment and then migrate it over to your, your production environment. And so there are a couple of things, a couple of options that users have so i mean anyways that's the vanilla answer for like how, how yeah no but now i want to dive images. into it a little bit deeper in the sense that um you have a little bit of a migration exercise that you have to do yeah yeah for sure so there there are a couple of options um for the immediate term um their users can also add images using a url so if you have an image hosted somewhere, or if you're packaging dashboards in an app that you control, you can place those images in the static folder and use a relative URL to reference them and have them in the dashboard. And by doing that, you won't depend on the uh, KV store. And, and that's the way it would like work in the in simple XML world. 
Yeah. Right. Except okay. that you're calling it via a relative URI, which lands in the static folder. Is that what you said? Yeah. But okay. Same, okay. same thing. Yeah. Yep. I thought it had to be a complete uh, URL. No. So that's just actually news to me. All right, cool. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. And um, the, the other thing, there's something that we are working on now, the development team is working on now that will allow you to, if you have uploaded images and those are stored in the KB store, uh, that you can actually export a dashboard or multiple dashboards and it will package and bundle everything for you into a TGZ and then you can ship it off to the next, you know, whatever target environment that you have. And when you upload it, it will also upload the images for you so that your dashboard will render okay, as expected. Okay. Is that not an app? Sounds like an app. <laughs> it's Sounds not like an app. app. We're planning to, we are planning to build it right into enterprise, like directly into Splunk core so that, you know, you can just go to the dashboards page, right? And hit an export button and it'll um, generate that file for you. Still in progress though. Interesting. Cause a lot of, there are a lot of apps that are just dashboards. So, um, that's really interesting, yeah. like, so, like similar design. Yeah. 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 Cool. So we wanted to tackle kind of um, two use cases with this particular feature that we're working on. So one is, of course, I just want to move things from, you know, uh, environment A to environment B, yes. um, as well as, you know, let's say one of the things we've seen is a lot of our sales engineers will say, hey, I built this dashboard for my customer. I added images how do I actually ship it to them, right? And they don't necessarily want to have to build an app to be able to just package that one dashboard that they built and sent it over to their, to their customer. Um, and so that, that's, one of the, that's one of the reasons why we went for this approach in particular. In the, in the case where you are managing an app yourself anyway, so we ha have heard customers who they do, that, they do that anyways, like that is their process for moving dashboards between environment A to environment B, in which case we can recommend to them to just stick those images in the static folder because they have access to it. But, uh, you know, thinking about in particular the case of, let's say I'm a more, maybe I'm not an admin or I don't have those skills to know how to do that. And I just want to move a dashboard from one environment to the other, or I want to share it with someone else. This will provide a solution that will allow us to, to be able to do that more readily. Okay. So you can... Um, and going back to the customer that has, you know, a dev and a production environment, for example, you know, maybe you've got Splunk uh, loaded up on, on your, your laptop or you have a separate dev stack or whatever. Um, you can go in, use all the advanced UI features, build your dashboards, do some cool stuff there, have some images to go along with it. And you place those wherever and you've got kind of an, you've got an answer either way and you can take that and then export it to that second instance. I just want to make sure that I, I kind of covered everything in one sentence ish. And yes. Yes. Okay, cool. I'm it's so not curious. Really a question. Um, how, what, what was the benefit of the KV store um, design? Like, cause KV store can be very effective at like loading faster than like the, the comp file and stuff. So if you had a 500, you know, meg or, or a gig, you know, CSV file. Yeah. Those, those guys are hard to work with and update. And yeah. I know there's a lot of good reasons for KV store there. What does it bring to this? Yeah, that's a good question. So it definitely predated my time on the team, but 
what I understand and maybe Nick, Nick nine years Nick is that uh, <laughs> I believe that it was one of the only like one of the few options that we had that we could that could make it like generally available to to users and like kind of abstract the the storage and retrieval of those images from mm. from the end user. Okay, let's let's transition away from that type of discussion. And I, I want to ask you know how, how do customers get it? And and I know some will have been using it for a little while now. You want to talk about that kind of progression as we have products, you know, we have multiple products now and they're multiple, offered multiple ways. Dashboard Studio or UDF? Yes, to either or both of those things. <laughs> I mean, they have to download a beta app to get it, right? Oh, great question. No, <laughs> you do not need to download a beta app to get what? Dashboard Studio. <laughs> You can count on his corniness. It's yeah. built in. Is this an infomercial? Is is there a one eight hundred number to, to call to order it? <laughs> Just for <four> easy payments. <laughs> it my makes coffee account. too. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So dashboard studio. So that would be like kind of the enterprise curated experience of UEF is available out of the box with Splunk core. So for on-prem customers, that's 8.2 and higher. And for cloud customers, that was 8.1.2103 and higher. But I can't for, believe yeah. you remember that off the top of your head. Oh yeah. You, you know, I say it so many times. It's like, it's like my childhood phone number. It's like locked in there forever. Um, yep. But for UDF, I will let Nick talk about how people can get a hold of it. Yeah, uh, so U UDF is an NPM package. It, it's publicly available. Um, uh, and actually, interestingly enough, it has been since uh, I think Conf of 2019 um, is when we kind of first uh, rolled it out. Uh, the kicker has been though that, that the documentation around that, so as an app developer, uh, and, and if you wanted to take advantage of UDF in your app or, or introduce any kind of one of those custom extensions that we talked about, um, you have to, to grab the NPM package, but there's no docs. Um, so, so that's one of the things that, yeah, and yeah, fun, funny enough. I see. Uh, it is, we, we took the Pokemon Go approach of go enjoy it and good luck figuring it out. Yeah, there, there, there is no like in, intentional exclusivity around around that decision, but, um, uh, but, but it is something that we're working on. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to announce something soon. So um, now I'm a little a little confused because I kept thinking the framework was like the the dictionary like the the definition of it, um, but then like the studio was the experience how how I use it. Um, so Nick, you're sharing that you you can get the framework on npm. What do I do with the framework when I get it? Like why would I be interested in getting it? Yeah, because yeah. I'm never so gonna get it. Never gonna get it. <laughs> Um, we're, we're going, we're going there too, uh, to, to song puns and oh, wait, oh, we're always just, going there. We're always yeah. there. We're always just, there. It's just normal mode. Very nice. Um, so yeah, that's a great question. So what, you know, what would drive someone to, to using the, uh, the NPM package as opposed to just vanilla studio? Uh, and, and it primarily has to do with customization. Um, so if, if I'm building an app and I want something highly custom from, from what I see uh, in Dashboard Studio. Like I have my own visualization that I, that I want to incorporate. I have this like interactivity. Um, so I want to be able to introduce a button that opens a modal or a, or a drawer that, that gives me some, some other experience. Uh, 
um, or I want to embed kind of what looks like a, a studio dashboard uh, within a single page application mm. that, that does a whole bunch of other okay. things. Um, those are those are kind of some of the the core the core okay. reasons why as a developer I would want to kind of integrate it into some some other experience that I'm I'm looking to provide. Okay, so Lizzie, this is when I asked you this question in February, you're like, we're working on that. This is that thing that we were talking about. This is a very big thing. This is like yeah. a big okay. it took me, category. It took me things. a minute to, to get that. <laughs> it took me this entire podcast to get that actually. And you and I have been talking about Dashboard Studio for quite a while uh, over the year. So, okay, cool, Nick. So now with this release of UDF and the documentation, that would be nice. People would be able to build those custom experiences, something richer, and they can share yeah. that. And, and our, our kind of our, our our top level goal is really to enable our community to build the same quality apps that, that we internally build. So, you know, you look at some of the apps like ITSI or ES, or even some of the, the newer ones like Mission Control, can we actually provide, take the tools that we've built internally and that we've kind of offered internally and just make them available, documentation and all, uh, and allow uh, folks, you know, partners, customers, um, you name it, to have the same tools that we use internally, and and they okay. can, you know, build build some of those advanced workflows, um, applications, etc. Okay. Now, now I okay, cool. So, the thing that is built, I say I I include NP, uh, you know, npm include this module into my app that I'm writing. What is it that I will then um, ship or release? Is it that tarball that Lizzie had referenced earlier? It is not a Splunk app, correct? Uh, it is or is not you, a Splunk app as we know it otherwise? You, you, could, you could build a Splunk app. So, okay, um, okay. so we'll you give you all the built things. Absolutely, yeah. We, we'll, we'll give you, so okay, okay. Um, there are you know, build tools that, that allow you to you know, create that custom experience uh, and you can ship that as a Splunk app. Okay. That, that'll be available on Splunk Pace. Okay, all right. That sounds excellent. Now, I want to ask a question that I've, I've talked to Lizzie about this before, and I don't know if the story will have changed or not, but um, I am a big fan of mobile technology, and I use mobility all the time. In addition to my day job, you know, working on sitting at a computer, I'll be on iPad or, or my Android phone all the time. So what is the story there? Such a geek. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. So, you know, will these uh, these new user experiences that I create will they work on mobile better and you know worse and different you know to to what I would could do with Simple XML today? That's a really great question. Um, so we are working actively with our connected experiences team to enable support on Splunk TV, Splunk Android, Splunk Mobile, Splunk whatever else we have AR, <laughs> the flame VR. the flamethrower yeah, yeah. <laughs> the to to support the udf dashboard starting i i believe we are starting with the studio dashboards specifically so you would be able to go um basically any dashboard that you have listed you know like in, mm. in search and reporting or in your environment you'd be able to actually view it on your mobile device um and they from the early designs I've seen, they've come up with some very clever ways for how to view and like drill into things that are on your dashboard, which obviously was designed on like a, you know, like a 
desk, desktop, like a browser interface and then have it actually display and be able to view it on a, on a mobile device, like a little phone. Okay. Awesome. Any caveats or anything, you know, differently in, in the, on the UDF side that, uh, to add there, Nick? Um, uh, no, I, I mean, I think this is kind of a, 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 maybe a segue into maybe your next guest, the connected experience to see some of the, the cool things that they're up to. But, um, but yeah, we, we've been working closely with them to, to make sure that, you know, everything that we're shipping, um, they're able to, to pick up and lockstep and, and, um, and, and offer some kind of mobile specific gestures and responsiveness uh, to, to everything. So, you know, what, what you'll see in terms of how you interact with, with certain things you know, will we'll be kind of slightly enhanced from what you see on the web browser to your mobile. So ultimately, you know, with, with the goal being to create the best experience possible with whatever device you're using. I have uh, two questions that kind of take us back a little bit. One is like, um, Lizzie, your, your statement about having like a, a number input got my mind going. And, and I was like, well, what if we, what if I, let's pretend if it doesn't exist, if it does, what if I want to create a URL input, so like or an email input, right? So there's validation um, going on. Uh, does is like how does it work today? Does the end user or the the developer in this case are they do they have the capabilities to define that with um, UDF? Do they have to extend it? And is there a way to like contribute that back or something? Great question. So. For things that are in studio, so let's say I wanted some new input that didn't exist, we don't currently support the ability to extend studio um, to add those things. So we would request that you submit like a, a, a feature idea on Unspunk Ideas, and then we would use that to prioritize appropriate, like what we would like to build or not. And this could be an example of, let's say studio, we're the only ones who want it and ITSI mission control, they don't want it. Then our team would con could contribute that to UDF as an example of how we work with the UDF team. But otherwise, if it's something that's highly custom and we just don't foresee that many users would actually need that, then that's when we might point them to, you know, using UDF directly and building out that mm. custom input themselves. So that when they do that, that's almost like what we're doing internally when we're enriching with new features is we're doing the NPM, getting UDF, and then like adding onto it there. Um, is, uh, is there any like... Uh, kind of key um it's a new thing so like i'm sure it's not 100 percent parity with some of the um more legacy things like simple xml any any kind of key parity things that people often want to know about as they embark on udf yes definitely um uh, full support for tokens and drill downs is probably the number one thing that we hear. So that's something we are actively working on and focusing on for you know the, the rest of the year um, in particular. Um, so that's stuff like I want to click on a slice of a pie chart and have it filter other things on my dashboard. So things like that aren't there yet, but we're actively working on it. Another one is being able to do scheduled email export. Um, and so that's another one that we are also actively working on, but is, is not there yet. And then I think the, the last major one I hear is around custom visualization. So the ability to plug in third-party visualizations like from Splunk Base. And, and that one is something that is probably a longer term roadmap item because there's a lot of work for us to do to figure out how to support. How to but you're support. gonna do that work for us. You're <laughs> gonna do that work for us, right? For the community, 
<laughs> Legal disclaimer here. <laughs> um, what about, uh, I am probably the only person who continues to use pre-built panels. Is, is there a concept of a panel? Yeah. There is not currently a concept of pre-built panels, but I will defer to Nick for any further commentary <laughs> on what UDF will support. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, so the, the short answer is there is no pre-built panel. Um, and, and actually, even the, the concept of a panel is um, uh, not, not there in, in UDF. So I, I think, you know, one of the things that, that you probably kind of face is like, there's a panel title and then there's a viz title and sometimes people use one or the other and, and there's always like some mix up there. So um, at least now there is no panel. It's just a viz object on the canvas. Um, and, and the way in which you kind of create the, you know, if you wanted to, let's say like group a, a core set of visualizations together, um, it's, it's more of a visual grouping, right? So mm. uh, you would just add a rectangle, put it in the background, color it different, and it, and it kind of um, it gives you that, that storytelling, that, that ability to kind of link like objects together, but without, without the, uh, you know, what, what you would kind of traditionally call a, a panel and, and objects within the panel. Right, so there's no longer like panel as a construct, um, and, and I think uh, I'd be very interested to see if like over time, if like we're doing with um, hopefully doing with uh, custom visualizations, if, if we're, we explore any Which ideas. Lizzie like, is going to do that work on. <laughs> we talked about that. Yeah. Uh, what, what's our legal disclaimer? Uh, everything we say and do is subject to change based on our roadmap and don't make any purchasing Not, decisions yeah. based on this. Um, this but if you uh, like the idea of reusability. Um, I think I think that was like a very novel um, uh, novel thing in in the simple XML uh, that I was always a, a fan of. That reusability allows a like an administrator or someone creating different experiences for different groups to have some kind of consistency or like brand consistency across those workspaces. Um, cool! Wow, this is really exciting. Um, yeah, we we got in a lot of stuff here. Um, I yeah. wanted to just like close with with uh, you know what should I do with this information. <laughs> I mean, yes, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you want folks to, to do with this thing that they've learned about something very visual and, and a lot of people are visual learners. Um, I'll go to Lizzie first, you know, you know, quick lightning round sort of answer. You know, wh where do you want to send someone to learn more about um, the dashboard studio? Yeah, that's a great question. So especially if you have a Splunk instance that already has dashboard studio, we've baked in our like a simple XML examples app equivalent for a dashboard studio called the examples hub right in the dashboards page and you can get ideas about the kinds of things that you can build and actually copy those examples yourself to actually build start building dashboards with it so i would say take a look at what's possible use looking at some of those examples and then try it out awesome and if you don't have a copy of splunk sitting around go to the website click the green free splunk button spin up a cloud trial there you go all right same question to nick uh, sure, sure. So uh, I'll kind of answer it in, in two parts. One, one is like a user and one is a developer. I would say as a user, one of the goals with UDF and Studio is, is how, can you, how can you create a dashboard that kind of accurately represents how you think about your business? So, um, you know, the, the first kind of uh, call to action would be 
you know, how, how does your business function today? You know, draw that out on a whiteboard and then see if you can actually create a dashboard that, that kind of represents that and, and, and overlay that with charts, with single values, um, with some of the insights that you've already got gathered with Splunk. And that's what I used and, to tell people when I was a sales engineer, they'd be like, what are, what would we use class tables? I'm like, just take your org chart, not your org chart, but your architecture chart, slap it in there and put some KPIs on it. Those notes have been taken on that whiteboard. Yeah. Take a, take picture, a picture of, of it. it. Yeah. Have some stuff on top. That's your start. They're like that easy. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, um, I, I think that's a great way to, to start and, and to kind of experiment with it, right? Is like, take what you would draw on a whiteboard and, and see if you can make it happen uh, in, in Splunk. Um, the, the next thing, and this is more on the developer side is, you know, this is something that we're, we're rolling out soon, um, the, the docs and, and a core set of use cases and examples. Um, please, you know, when, when it does come out, play around with it. Let us know what you think. Um, let us know what kind of extensions you wanna see, what examples you wanna see. Um, and also share with us what, what you've done with it, because we always get inspired by what the community does, and, and that helps us build better products. So, I assume there is um, a spot on our community site. Yeah, how, how do they share? How should they share? Uh, so, so um, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we will, or um, I guess legal disclaimer uh, included, um, we're, we're hoping to, to provide some kind of um, uh, direct engagement channel. So Slack, uh, email. Um, yeah, a couple, Splunk couple of answers, other different... discussions, about... ideas. We got this whole community site, y'all. Yeah, and, and I think it, until until something more formally is announced, there's always like the app dev Slack channel. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's there's some dashboard ones out there. Um, that's great. And then I, Lizzie, you mentioned ideas.splunk.com. Um, I just think it's such a, a great thing, uh, and wanted to highlight that again, that, um, you know, if you have ideas to and enhancements like a HTML, uh, HTTP validator or, or another <laughs> input, great place to go. Right. Yes, definitely. And we, we triage those on a regular basis, looking at those ideas and, and bringing them into our backlog. So stuff actually go, gets from idea to in product using Splunk ideas. Very cool. Well, I have really enjoyed the time that, that uh, both of you spent with us. So thanks a lot, Nick and Lizzie for hanging out.